Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. We are Tate to Black, and I'm your host, Razor. I'm here with Isis Melton, Annie Bundle, Corey Thone, and Corey Smith. And we're here to talk about, once again, for the second week in a row, amazing, huge spoilers for Game of Thrones Season 7. So prepare yourself. This entire podcast will be about spoilers. So this is your one and only warning. If you don't want any spoilers for Game of Thrones Season 7, turn back now and go watch the debate and be depressed. Okay, now let's get right into it. I'm going to start off with a little bit of news coming from Spain. We've got some filming location news, and what's, what they're asking for is, and their specific number is six ships. They're asking for soldiers that are going to be trained by um, British military op- or British military personnel, and um, they're, uh, they're they have guards set up to guard all these different types of props there in Spain. So, and they're asking for horses, I also believe. So, there's a lot of things going on in Spain that haven't been filmed yet, that will be filmed very soon. So, it's very exciting. Game of Thrones season seven is in full swing, folks. Um, I can't remember last year us being this excited. I know we got the Kit Harrington photo at the battle of, you know, at St. Field, and then there were a couple like uh, the guy crawling across the mountain to go film the Tower of Joy scene, screaming, get him, Beanie. Uh, there were a couple of great things that came out of Season 6, but I, Annie, I'm going to ask you this. I don't remember it being this exciting when it got into full swing last year. Oh, yes, it was. I mean, we had, uh, last year when we were in Spain, uh, they were filming, um, they shut down a big section of Corona, and we had the uh, them film the waif chasing Arya across the rooftop. That's right, and Arya was in the water, and we got a picture of Arya in the water. That's true. Uh, that was actually done in Ireland, okay. whereas the uh, chase was done in uh, where the chase was done in Spain. Um, there was also, I mean, they shut down the uh, Gorona Cathedral for a week, and they filmed the scene where uh, uh, Marjorie comes out with. Uh, with the uh, Tommen and reveals that they have joined up with the High Sparrow, and we got to see them basically filming that out in the open on the steps. That's right. So we had we had pictures of Jamie's horse and all that kind of stuff. I remember that now. I, you're right. You're absolutely right. I remember that now. I just maybe it's just my short term memory. I really am so excited about season seven. Maybe I'm more excited this year because we're having the meeting of so many characters that really haven't really come together yet. And this is a great segue into something that you popped on this morning right as it hit the airways, and I want you to bring us into it. Talk about Tyrion and Davos. So this has been building for a couple of days, first of all. Um, There are two locations in Spain that are basically filming back-to-back. The first is a set of beaches that are, um, I'm going to butcher the name of this, Uh, (laughs) Zumaia. Uh, and there's three beaches, uh, uh, one in Zuma, yeah, uh, one in Baraka, and the other in Bermeo, right? And those are the ones that are filming now, right? And then after this, they're going to be filming in the ruins of Italica. Um, and the ruins of Italica just closed so they could finish, uh, putting in the set. And so these three beaches that they've been, fil- that they closed to start filming on this week, uh, we didn't know what they were using them for. We thought, you know, there could be, like, different battles, there could be, like, different landings. What are what, what are these beaches? Is one Dorne? Is one Westeros? Is one going to be used for, like, a battle at King's Landing? Turns out all three beaches are being used for the same location, just different, like, angles, basically. Hmm. And that location is Dragonstone. Woo! So we want to congratulate Isis um, as a non-book We're reader Isis. and a... And as, as a non-book reader and a military expert, she was the one who said, well, of course Danny's going to go to Dragonstone because it's the most sensible military location to strike from. And she was 100% right. Yay! Um, yay! 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 for the win. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we, so basically they started filming there uh, today. And the first shots we got, yesterday we were told that Peter Dinklage had shown up and we had pictures. We also had rumors that Liam Cunningham, who plays Davos, was there. But nobody actually had, like, a clear shot of him. We only had rumors. Well, this morning, here is footage, and it's of 
Peter Dinklage and Liam Cunningham, and they are filming on the Dragonstone Beach, and they are clearly, there's two scenes that, that we had footage of them doing. Um, one is of them, uh, Liam Cunningham is clearly uh, taking a boat that he had sailed in and, you know, beaching it, basically, while uh, Tyrion looks on. And the other one, they're coming down a set of stone steps that looks very much like Dragonstone now that we see it. Mm -hmm. And they are clearly having a meeting of the minds. Um, So, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, And if you you can picture it really quick, like you have um, basically the, the stairs while they're walking down. To me, what it looked like was... Davos and Tyrion walking down the steps as if they're coming back from a meeting with Daenerys is what it looked like to me. Uh, and and there's a mysterious third person in armor walking behind them. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But as they're walking down the steps, um, Davos gets to the bottom, turns around. Or is it Tyrion? I forget who gets down first. Turns around, looks at the other one, and they're talking. And we're talking about real filming here, folks. We're not talking about rehearsals. This, they were fully dressed in their costumes. And then they make it down to the beach, and Davos is coiling rope, and um, and Tyrion is walking around the boat, talking to him as if you know, you know how Tyrion usually does. The whole he walks and he talks and he and he ponders. He was doing the whole Tyrion act, so it was very, very exciting to see this. <laughs> you know, you know how Tyrion is when he when he walks that way, and he can see that he's thinking. He about walks something. like a rich person. That's what I'm you talking know, about. You know, just being all Tyrion-y. Just. Well, you know, the thing about it is is that you can kind of tell, like, when Davos is, like, beaching his boat, like, you, I kind of had this moment of, did he, he, clearly he sailed up in this boat, and I was like, well, did he smuggle himself in to Dragonstone, or did he actually come as an emissary from Jon Snow? Is he there in a legal capacity, or did he, you know, remember... Davos lived for decades in Dragonstone with Stannis. This yes. is basically his home. You know, if he hears that, you know, Daenerys Targaryen, you know, all of her names in order, you know, mother of dragons, you know, uh, 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 drinker of cokes, um, has come <laughs> and, like, taken over his house, you know, there's a level where he might be like, I want to go home and, like, you know, sneak in with the servants because I was a servant and I can kind of, like, I know, I know the kitchen man. And I know the butlers, you know, and I can go downstairs and find out what's going on, you know, like kind of like, you know, how someone would sneak into like the downstairs of Downton Abbey and find out what the Granthams were up to. Um, <laughs> so, you know, this is a thing that could happen. And so I wasn't sure if he was there legally or if he was there illegally and discovered. First of all, kudos to bringing Downton Abbey into that conversation. I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, I Yeah, it looked to me like and. Uh, if you've gone on to Winter's Coming and read Annie's article, you'll see the picture. She took stills of them, and if the video is still up, you can still watch it. I'm not sure. But she actually did break it down in four different uh, stills, uh, screenshots. Um, it, to me, it looks like Davos is in his old smuggling boat, the one we saw him you know, take Melisandre into that tunnel when she burst the shadow baby monster. And um, so obviously Davos, he, he's the one that smuggled in fish and onions. That's where he got his name, the Onion Knight, to uh, to the um, people at, at siege at Dragonstone, uh, Stannis and his army. So they know he knows the ins and outs of that castle very well. He spent time in the dungeons. He knows everything about it. So um, I'm I'm pretty excited about these pictures. Uh, but the, you bring up a good point: is he there on his own because he wants to see what's going on? Or has he been sent as an emissary of the King of the North, Jon Snow? Isis, since you're the one out of all of us that really picked Dragonstone as Danny's landing point, what do you think about this? Uh, I What do I think about this? You know, I think it'll be really nice to, to see Kit Harrington, uh, you know, see Davos and them have, a, you know, a conversation about what's going on. Um, you know, I think Davos has got a really good handle about, you know, all the things that are going on and and what they should be doing. Um, so I feel like this is a, a good time for them to have uh, a meeting of the minds, if you will. And so uh, so anytime I can I can have Davos really give some insight and, um, you know, advocate for, I guess, his team now, because, I mean, 
you know, who he was with um, died already. So I, I guess he's, you know, with the North. And uh, so right. I'm really excited about it. It's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how all these teams play with each other because, you know, they've been in their own little separate worlds exactly. for a while now. Exactly. And so it's going to be really nice to kind of see how uh, uh, Benioff and Weiss are able to bring these people together and then get them to work together as a team, uh, you know, a team up, if you will. So uh, I'm I'm down for it, and I think this is going to be really great for um, you know show watchers because you know I don't I mean for book watch readers they I don't think they've had this happen yet. Am I correct? No, That's correct. None, none of this. None of this. I mean, and and the the most ridiculous part is I realized this the other day as I was driving somewhere. Even if the winds of winter came out like in Jan- January 1st or, you know, three days before Christmas or whatever, it wouldn't matter because we're into A Dream of Spring now on the show. Yeah, the last book is, is named The Dream of Spring. Uh, hold so, on. So we, even, if we, even if we got the book, we wouldn't have the spoilers for what we're seeing now. What you got, Corey yeah. Smith? What, what you well, were interjecting there. Well, I, I just – I'm not 100% sure that, that, that we might not get still some of Winds of Winter in the book. Um, I mean, because to me, just the title implies some really jacked up shit is going to happen. So if we're talking that the White Walkers still haven't even invaded um, and the wall hasn't fallen yet, like we all think it has, I think that might still happen in the in the sixth novel in Winds of Winter. So I don't know. I mean, I could be totally off base, but I feel like some of it is still going to be in Winds of Winter. It's a good point, but right now, as as we all sit working into going into season seven, guess what? We're all Shonleys. Uh, Corey yeah. Sohn, let me ask you a question. Um, if you remember back to season one or two, when was Blackwater Bay? One or two? That was two. That was two. Sorry, I apologize for that. My memory failed me. Um Tyrion was the one that set the defenses for uh, King's Landing. He's the one that put the wildfire in the boat. He's the one that had his best friend Bronn uh, sling a flaming arrow into the boat and explode and kill Davos' son. Um, do you think in in this in this setting in Game of Thrones, Davos even knows that Tyrion was defend was the one defending King's Landing? One and two. Will he hold a grudge against him like he did Melisandre, or is war just war and shit happens in war and you have to you have to move on? Okay, first off, no. No one knows except for a handful of people that Tyrion was the one to rally the troops. I mean, the troops know, but as we've established on this show, unless you're in the 1%, your voice doesn't matter. Uh, So even though there's literally hundreds of soldiers who saw Tyrion lead the forces at Blackwater, uh, in, in the history books, it was Joffrey. Right, Joffrey was the hero. Okay, and uh, no, I don't think that that Davos knows, uh, and I don't think that he'll find out uh, unless Tyrion tells him. I guess I don't know, uh, but I mean, come even on, if Tyrion's hubris might get in the way. No, I, I think what would actually the only time that will become an issue, I think, would actually be finding out that Davos' son died at Blackwater and Tyrion feeling bad about it but not saying anything about it. Ah, okay. uh, I think that would probably be the way they go to, to keep adding le- layers to Tyrion's you know, humanity. And even if he did find out, I think he would be weird about it at first, but like you said, war is war and Tyrion just did what he had to do to protect his family and his city. And honestly, Davos would probably find a lot of honor in that with Tyrion as someone who has this reputation of being nothing more than a whoremonger, you know, leech off his family to find out that he was the one who led the battle at Blackwater that helped defeat Stannis and turn the tide and keep the Red Keep and blah, 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 blah. He'll probably find a little bit of honor in that because Davos is a very honorable man and so was Stannis. So I, I guarantee you Stannis would have seen the honor in it. So right. Davos probably will try to at least. Right. That's a good point. And, what I like about seeing Davos, and this is one thing I wanted to say, and Corey Smith, feel free to chime in here. Seeing Davos and Tyrion together, Davos has the experience because he was the hand of the king, hand of the king of Stannis. And we didn't get this in the show, but in the books, he goes around to all the great houses of the north. He travels around the north, uh, trying to rally support for Stannis. In the in the show, we don't get to see that, but he is. He, he taught himself to read. He, he, he is a man who 
is he's an honorable man and he knows how to talk to people on their level and uh people see that for what he is and like as as the onion knight there are no layers to him he's basically right there stop stop with your trick <laughs> bullshit get well, away also you know i, I think it is we're forgetting davos was basically uh, Stannis's recruiter. I mean, even before he moved up to the north. I mean, you saw him at the Iron Bank on the show. You know, yep, good point, good point. Singing Stannis's praises. Um, they didn't really touch on it much in the books. I mean, uh, from the books, but in the books, Davos before he launches, before Stannis launches his invasion of King's Landing, Davos is off all around Blackwater Bay talking to all the the lords that live on the little islands and stuff like that, and even some of the lords of the stormlands trying to rally them to stannis's cause so i mean he's basically kind of always served as an emissary for whoever he's you know been linked up with so um i mean i don't know about y'all but just my inner nerd jumps out and i i can't wait to see liam cunningham and peter dinklage acting with one another because to me those are two of the the heavyweight, you know, kind of actors on the show, the ones who can really, really bring out the emotions in people. So to me, seeing, no matter what their scene is, I'm going to be kind of geeking out because I'm such a big fan of both of their acting. Liam Cunningham absolutely brings out emotion. Like, uh, you know, when he found out, the look on his face, when he found out that Shireen wasn't with Melisandre when she came back in season five, at the end of season five, the look in his face just melted me to pieces. And then, of course, in season six, when it's confirmed, when he finds the burnt stag, when he throws it at her and, 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 and accuses her, all those emotions, like him screaming at her, like, why did you do it? She was good. She was innocent and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He is yeah, an excellent so actor, and he's, he's a powerhouse yeah. that's come out in his, in the later in the season. We, we have all these actors in this show, great, phenomenal actors, and they basically all started out as no-names except for a few of them, like Lena Headey. She had her own shows before Game of Thrones, but a lot of these actors were no-names, and then they come in, and then they, they, they all come into their own as the seasons progress. Liam Cunningham is a guy who didn't get a lot of screen time as Stannis' hand of the king. Um, and then now that he's with Jon Snow, you see him everywhere. He's got a lot of talking parts, and he evokes these emotions that really uh, connect the viewer to the show. And I absolutely 100% agree with you that seeing him and Peter Dinklage connect and talk to each other is really going to be an amazing uh, uh, piece of television to watch. But here's my question. Let's talk about something that's really speculative here. There was a third person seen in the video walking down the steps of Dragonstone, and it looked to me – now, you can watch the video and decide for yourself. Again, it's, on, it's at wick.net, and it's written by Annie. Um, in the video, it shows somebody walking down the steps behind Davos and Tyrion, and all you see is basically from the waist down – um, it looks like they have long legs. A lot of our of our readers in the comments speculated that it could either be Jamie or Brienne because of the long legs. Now, I I, can... I took it. What, okay, just for the, for the record, when I was doing the post this morning, I didn't have a lot of time to like really like zabruder the heck out of it. But my reaction when I saw it is that's a guard behind them. It kind of looks like a gold cloak. But it could just be like a Dragonstone guard. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone will figure it out. <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not. It's not outside the uh, realm of possibility that once Danny lands at Dragonstone and places herself there as the queen, um, that she wouldn't have a guard, uh, a queen's guard around her, right? Like that makes- yeah, and that she might make her own set of, you know, she might make her own set of white cloaks or gold cloaks to basically like look after her in the same sort of way, since you know those were ba- the white cloaks basically guarded, you know, they guarded the king in King's Landing. So you know, I don't see why she wouldn't make her own set of that. So I just sort of took it as what I did take it as is that it was proof. That Davos was known to Danny to be there, and it wasn't that he hadn't like you know because one of the things I I thought is had he snuck in, had Tyrion found him, maybe he didn't know, if maybe Danny hadn't seen him yet. I saw the guard, and I'm like, no, Danny knows he's there. Whether or not he's met with Danny yet, but Danny knows he's there. Yeah, he's walking down the steps back to his boat in that scene. So that's what that's what I took it as as well. Um, Annie, I'm going to let you bring in this next piece of speculation. 
about Kit Harrington because I want you and Isis to weigh in on this because you know we all know that Kit Harrington is Isis's little cinnamon bun. But let's talk about this really quick: the speculation on Kit Harrington's location. Okay, so here's the thing: with the books being complete, with us being completely off book, anyone can speculate anything, and we'll believe it right now because we don't have books to counteract. Right. You know, it's one thing like when we were in season three, if someone were to go to Reddit and post, well, there was this wedding and all of the Starks are murdered, you know, well, there's books. We actually know whether or not that's true. Hey, look, that is true. Um, but, you know, nowadays anybody can come along and say like the wildest things and people are like, well, it's plausible. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's been this rumor consistently now that Kit Harrington is going to show up in Spain, and he and Danny are going to basically meet cute as rulers uh, early on, or maybe towards the end. No one's quite certain. Um, and we have no visual proof. No I mean, visual that's proof. Thing. Nothing else. We have no Nothing. visual proof. I mean, there's a lot of rumors. Like, there's a lot of rumors for the, the ruins of uh, Italica that are coming up next, that, that they just closed, that'll be coming up and filming in the next couple of weeks. It's closed through, like, November 12th. So that's going to be, like, the first couple of weeks is November. We're going to get a lot of news out of that as the actors show up and do their scenes there. You know, right now there's rumors that, like, Liam Cunningham will be there in King's Landing wow. along with Brienne. Like, we don't, but we don't know if that's true or not. That's just, you know... Until we see them on set, it's just people saying whatever they can because we have no books to counteract. Um, and Kit Harrington is the big one. Like, is he really going to be in Spain? You know, uh, LSR, uh, which is one of our major sources out of Spain, has said that they have heard consistently from their sources that Kit Harrington is coming. But no one has just given like them any visual... Yeah, like, but, you know... No one's given them any visual evidence. There is no proof. And until there's proof, I mean, we just, we're, we're speculating. ISIS. Yeah, yeah. Corey Thone, yeah. Boo your joke. Go ahead, go to ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I have you on the podcast. You keep me centered. Uh, ISIS, uh, way in here on Ken Harrington. As Jon Snow, we know that he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Like, when he was the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, it was, it was him and uh, Tormund. Who led the, the the Night's Watchmen? Who volunteered to Hardhome? He's not afraid to get mixed in t into the battle. He's not afraid to to get out there. Like a lot of other kings would, or rulers would set back and send out emissaries. We know that Jon Snow is not that kind of ruler. Now that he's the king of the North, what do you what do you want to see if Kit Harrington actually does come come to Spain and film scenes with Danny, possibly at Dragonstone? What do you want to see out of this? What do you want to see? Do you want to see a hookup? Do you want to see an aunt and nephew hookup? I mean, what do you what do you, what do you want in here? Um, actually, I mean, you know, I, I talk a lot about Jon Snow or Kit Harrington, you know, being my my cinnamon bun and everything, um, <laughs> and objectifying his his body. How dare and, you? Um, I know I'm such such a horrible person. Anyway, I really want to see him and and hopefully either one of them know that they are family because even though I know that Jon Snow has family and he considers him as a Stark and, and so do his siblings, you know, consider him a Stark, even though he's Jon Snow. Um, I, I think it would be really nice to, for him to really find out who he really is. And if, you know, going to visit Danny is part of that and, and seeing Dragonstone like that's that's your heritage. That's part of your your you know your lineage is is uh, Dragonstone. Good point. And so I really feel like that it would be really good for that whole storyline to kind of get wrapped up and um, and and to do it there. So I think that's really really important. I think Jon Snow is a person who considers himself a a warrior over a king and mainly because he hasn't, he's been a warrior a hell of a lot longer than he has been a king. And, um, so him doing things on his own or, or, you know, not sending, um, you know, an MC or something like that to, to handle his, his business or whatever is not, uh, something that is out of the realm for him. Um, just because he's, I, I feel like he's the type of person who's like, you know, what, I want to look you in the eye. I want to see you and talk to you before I say, yeah, I'm going to join your fight or yes, you know, we're going to, 
you know, work together and stuff like that. So um, I, and I think, you know, being stabbed in the back is, is a huge reason why he probably is like that. So, yeah, uh, I mean, he he's, doesn't, he's a man of the people. <laughs> he's not afraid well, to get he out there. Is, but, <clears throat> but I, I feel like it's just one of those situations where he's like, okay, the only person, there are people that he can trust, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, he wants to be the one that says, hey, it was on me. I trusted them. That was my fault. You know, I made the mistake, uh, not it was someone else's. You know, I put too much stake into somebody else to go ahead and give them my, uh, you know, my direction and what right. I wanted to see. So so I, I really um, appreciate that about Jon Snow. Um, so I really do hope that him and Danny get together, but I really want to see some kind of baby maybe wrap up of this backstory about their family and um and then for him to feel like you know he's not so alone and so anyway that's my Corey point. smith you wanted to weigh in on this Corey. yeah uh, i mean as far as john beyond dragonstone the only thing that i would say against that is just the fact that that the boat that we saw on the scene that davos was getting back in i mean it it, it seemed kind of small for John and I mean was it just John and Davos in a boat you know what I mean we're in a boat yeah but you don't want to draw you don't want to draw attention to yourself I mean if you go out there with a bunch of people they're going to be like oh some shit's going down but if you're going on a boat by yourself or maybe one other person you may not draw that much attention yeah Yeah, I mean seriously he might be smuggling him in yeah and that and that and from that aspect it would make sense I I mean to me I don't know that necessarily they meet on Dragonstone. I would see it being more of a thing where Davos gets sent there to kind of get the lay of the land, and then later on, uh, Danny and John meet. I want to point out. I want to point out that in that video, there is a massive tarp in the boat. I just want to point that out. So if if Davos is smuggling John in because they don't want John to be seen by anybody else, that's the perfect place to hide him. Yeah, and, and that does make sense. I'm not saying that that it doesn't i just i don't something about it to me kind of says like john will meet up with her later um and i mean i i think that things are initially going to go pretty smooth because if 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 Tyrion is is danny's closest advisor remember Tyrion and john parted more or less as friends they are absolutely um, they, they were very friendly when they left each other yep yeah, so, you know, Tyrion kind of was giving them some, you know, dropping some knowledge on them when they first met about being a bastard and, you know, taking the things that people say and using that, you know, using it as motivation kind of thing and, and all that. And remember, Tyrion went up to the wall. So, I mean, to me, I think that Tyrion would sort of vouch for John, um, you know, once Danny starts getting the lay of the land in Westeros after she lands at Dragonstone, like like it seems like she has. So right. I, I think that initial introduction is going to go well. I don't think it's going to be some sort of conflict or some sort of rivalry or No, or I don't think so either. I think with, with uh, Tyrion as her hand of the queen, I think he'll keep her in check uh, as far as, like, who to trust, who not to trust, who to be nice to, who to be rude to. But uh, uh, before we but get we on... we also t- have to... But we also have to mention they have not seen each other for several seasons. I think they're going to be pretty um, surprised that either one of them, you know, that the, they're still alive. Like I think that, yeah. you know, well, there's gonna, you know, because the last time that Tyrion uh, Tyrion saw him, um, he was going to the Wall. So, you know, for him, he's probably like, oh, he's at the Wall. But he, I should ahead. point out that Tyrion does have info from what happens at the wall, though, because he knew that uh, Jorah's exactly. father was dead. I was going to bring right. that point. I was going to bring that point. Think, that Tyrion, Tyrion knows what's going on. I think his knowledge stops as far as the wall from the point that he goes over to Essos. I, I think he knew that Jorah's Gior had died. But I, I don't think he knows anything past that. How and can I you say cert- that when he's the hand of the queen? I mean, it's, it's his job to know things now. I mean, like, besides yeah, Jordan, but, he knows things. I mean, as well. maybe by the time it, it, maybe by the time season seven picks up, because we don't know how how much of a time jump we're going to do. I assume we're going to do some because obviously the boat's got to you know sail over there. But I think that they're going to arrive in Westeros and find out John is king in the north is kind of news, you know. Well, the king, because... yeah, the, the king in the north part, yeah, I can see that being news. But as soon as he lands, I'm sure he'll start putting feelers out, and that's yeah, when they'll find absolutely. out. But you also have to remember this: um, 
he'll probably know that John was at some point the Lord Commander because he'll, yeah, he'll have that Theon. I was what I was saying. Theon will be the, the the reliable narrator there. He'll be able to tell um, Tyrion exactly what happened in the North and at the Wall because he knows because he sent Sansa there. Right. I was also going to say, Varys' little birds Barry's are still up. Barry's, you know, some of his his little birds in King's Landing may have gone to uh, Kyburn, but Varys still has little birds all over Westeros. And, you know, I'm sure there's a network that Tyrion basically gets to plug into the moment he gets back. And and remember, Varys was in Dorne, so I'm sure he got a download of what what was going on while he was in Essos when he got back to Dorne. So anyway, moving on, uh, I want to talk about... Really quick, um, some this is probably next to Annie's uh, Annie's Tyrion and Davos story. The next biggest story, and this is huge, is the return of a of a beloved character. I would say beloved because we haven't seen him in so long, and we've all been speculating where he's been. Um, guess what, guys? Gendry is back. Gendry, the man who got in a boat and started rowing, is finally back. All the jokes and all the memes can stop now. He's back, and we're going to talk about that. And Corey Smith, I want you to start off because, you know, you and I have talked about in, in, in our little chat that where would Gendry be if he came back in Season 7? Would be would he be in Flea Bottom and King's Landing? But apparently he's going to be at Dragonstone. Yeah, I mean, this really threw me for a loop because I think we all kind of, you know, we saw when he, when he left Dragonstone back in Season 3, right? Yes. Yes, because it was before the red wedding. So when he left the when he left Dragonstone, Davos was kind of pointing him in the direction. I thought, it was the finale. I thought he left in the finale. No, because it was. Well, yeah, you, you might be right. Yeah, he left. But either way, it's season three. Either yeah. way, season three. Right. So he left, and Davos had pointed him to King's Landing, and we all kind of assumed that's where he was, because it's kind of the only other place he knew. Uh, you know, because he was from Flea Bottom, that's where Robert knocked up his mom and uh so you know that's where we kind of assume he would go back to that's where he knows that's where he'd hang out and kind of just be incognito and hang out but apparently yeah he's back on dragonstone so maybe i, I don't know he's just been doing laps around the island or i don't i that that to me is really hard to explain the only thing i can think is that he's been summoned to dragonstone and that has all kinds of implications. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Corey Thone. Corey Thone, we haven't heard from you in a minute. Um, let's talk about how many Baratheons we have left. Uh, basically one. Uh, and he's a bastard, uh, just like Corey Smith. And he doesn't have really the Baratheon name, but we know that he's from Robert's seed. So what do you think about Gendry? How do you think he comes into play here? What, what's, what's the story here with Gendry? Uh, he. <laughs> You're so eloquent. Let me, think, let me think. What would be so? Where is he rolling up at? Dragonstone, apparently. Okay, so. So he's just been like floating in the bay for like six seasons. I personally think he was in King's Landing, and I think that's why Liam Cunningham is going to be in King's Landing. Oh, and he brings Gendry with him to Dragonstone. And that's who's under the tarp. Oh, my God, Annie, for the win. All right, so... There you go. That's good enough. That's better than my... What I was leaning was, like, he's going to finally row up on shore wherever it's at, and, like, Melisandre's going to be standing right there, and he's going to be like, oh, oh, oh. He's going to be like, shit. Shit. (laughs) One arm is a Popeye arm and the other arm because he's been rowing in circles. <laughs> Seriously, man. We saw a picture of, of Joe Dempsey who plays uh, Gidry uh, landing in Belfast, and he looked skinny as a rail. And I thought, well, from the side view, the picture that was taken of him, and I thought to myself, this is not the swole Gendry that I've been imagining this whole time. Like, I've been I've been thinking of, like, Popeye arms or, like, some kind of, like, just – over overcompensated on one side of his body because he's been rowing, keeping to the left, keeping the shore to his left. But um, no, I, let's let's talk about this really quick. I think that I, we saw a lot of speculation in our comment section from our from our readers that said a lot. Some of them thought that maybe um, they summoned him back to Dragonstone and try to try to um, put him in Storm's End because Storm's End is the House Baratheon's ancestral castle. Okay. So what if Danny, as 
the the person coming back trying to be the queen of Westeros, trying to gain support, knows that knows that because of Davos, knows there's a Baratheon bastard out there, and as queen, as she's making herself queen, she can write a royal pardon or whatever, and she can legitimize Gendry. Okay, so if if Danny legitimizes Gendry, he's now the Baratheon, the only Baratheon that we know of, and she can put him in Storms Inn and rally the Stormlands. And get their support as she moves her armies either to King's Landing or to the north or wherever she's going. What do you think about that, Corey Smith? Well, I thought you were going for the throne. I, I, I mean, I, th- I think it was Dan over at Wick that kind of proposed that right at the end of his article. And, and it hadn't occurred to me, but it does really make a lot of sense. Because um, I have a, a spec piece coming out later this week about where Danny might land. And I picked the Stormlands as one of the high candidates because there's nobody in charge there. Um, you know, Renly was killed off in season two. Obviously Robert was killed in season one and then Stannis was knocked off in season five. So there are no Baratheons left. They haven't really ever talked about the Stormlands since then. As far as I know, um, I don't remember them mentioning it. So, you know, Danny could do far worse than legitimizing Gendry as the, the son of Robert Baratheon. He's not just the son of, like, say, Stannis or Renly. He was the son of Robert, who was the king of the Seven Kingdoms. The, 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 the recognized king, not just somebody exactly. who themselves king, the recognized king of, of, the, of the Seven Kingdoms. Um, right. So, But the only – there's there's a one caveat with this in, in that Robert was always viewed by Danny as the usurper. So ooh, good point. There, there's a little bit of a, you know, now I'm going to legitimize his son and give him, you know, an entire, you know, the you know the Stormlands. I'm going to legitimize him, you know, the son of the usurper who killed, you know, most of my, who killed my older brother and then, you know, took the Iron Throne from me. So to me, that's a little bit of a, a hurdle, so to speak. Uh, so that's the only part of the plan that, that doesn't necessarily make sense, but otherwise it makes a, a ton of sense. Corey Thone, you're you're I would consider you a level headed political guy. Uh, let's talk Game of Thrones politics with Gendry. Um as if you're Tyrion and Davos and maybe you're emissaries for both the North and then Danny's armies, and Davos brings in this wild card like Gendry and says, Hey, look, he's the bastard of Robert Baratheon. He has no connection to Robert Baratheon. He doesn't even care about Robert Baratheon, but he is a Baratheon, look at him. He has the looks. He he was sired by Robert. Let's legitimize him. Put him in the river. Put him in the uh, the Stormlands and rally support. Is this a good move for Danny? Because let me remind you of something that you may not know of in the books. Um, the Stormlands fought against the Targaryens because they were with Robert. They were part of the Usurper. So is this a good move by Danny? If this happens, if she legitimizes. Uh, Gendry puts him in Storm's End and makes him the the ruler of the Stormlands so she can rally support. Is this a good move? I mean, sure, I guess. I mean, you're, you're basing your question off a lot of book stuff that I don't know. Um, I would be willing to bet that Gendry wants no part of any of that shit and that he just wants to leave and that uh, Stannis might actually be sneak- sneaking him out of King's Landing or away from people uh, when he's under that tarp or whatever and uh, or, or whatever's happening in the pictures you guys are talking about. And um, I, I honestly think that in Davos's mind, he's already saved the boy once, throwing him back into the wolf, into the into the pit there, if you will, the den of lions. Uh, no, it's not a Lan- Lannister joke. It's a Bible thing. Um <laughs> And then trying to legitimize him, and st- I think it's just asking to have him be assassinated. So, honestly, I, I have a feeling that that he is going to either die quickly or run away. So. I, Isis, if you're bringing back Gendry, if we're bringing back a character that he's basically a fan favorite, um, almost at this point a cult classic type character that kind of like Boba Fett in Star Wars, he you know he, he disappeared, but everybody wants him to be alive and be well. Uh, Boba Fett, what? Boba Fett. Uh, he was Bubba, the, uh, Bubba's feet. Bubba's feet, yes, exactly. So you have Gendry, Isis. Is it a good idea to bring Gendry back just to kill him off, or just to 
send him away again? I mean, are we wrapping up a character story arc by bringing him back on the show, or are we bringing a new generation of characters back to rule Westeros the, the correct way? I feel like, you know, when you watch a TV show that is in their series finale – and they bring back a whole bunch of people that were on the show. And, you know, to, it was like their final farewell. Mm-hmm. And to kind of just put a, a pin in their in their little storyline. Um, I, I think, to be honest, that, that the folks at um, Game of Thrones absolutely love the fact that we basically kind of make fun of Gendry and, and his story about him just basically paddling out there. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's just kind of one of those situations where they're just like, okay, we're going to start wrapping up this this whole entire story, this world and everything. Let's go ahead and basically explain what happened to him. Because if they finished the show and did not bring him back, it would be forever one of those things that people would bring up. What happened to Gentry? So um, I think that's probably one of the main reasons why they're doing it uh, in my mind, because there's no real reason why to bring him back unless you're either one going to kill him or make him part of the game. Yeah, I actually I actually think he's going to get Osha or whatever her name is. I think it'll be quick. Oh, you think? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll see it all coming, but he doesn't. <laughs> or uh, hey, and honestly, I remember us talking about not to cut you off, Isis. Sorry, but no, I remember us fine. talking about like Davos can end up on the throne, someone who doesn't want it, and that's why you know blah blah. Well, then they just put Gendry up there because he already has the bloodline. So I mean, I guess that could be the answer to that question. But honestly, it's pretty lame. So I think he's I think he's gonna either gonna die or run away. That's my well, that's my vote. And I think I'm I think that Thone's right. I think for me, I think he's not it's not something that he ever wanted. He didn't want to be a part of that. He just wanted to make shit and live his life, you know. And uh I'm serious. No, and you're hundred percent right. But doesn't that yeah, hey, I mean, doesn't that make him the perfect ruler, Annie? He doesn't want it and therefore yeah. it makes him the perfect ruler, right? Well, it does in some way. It also makes him an easy puppet for Danny if she needs one. Um, you know, there's a lot of places where, like, he could. There's a lot of arguments for him being an installed ruler that will follow what Danny wants. Um, there's also just, you know, the fact that he could be, be he could be brought back to be executed quickly. You know, <laughs> we do. No, I mean seriously, we do always have the the thought in the back of our mind that Danny could turn into a mad queen on us. Mm-hmm. All right. And point. what about what about a gentry or um, uh, gentry uh, Danny pairing? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I honestly, I think he's a, Danny, yeah, he's a bastard. He, she would. I don't think she'd pair with a bastard. No, Danny has one of two things. One of two reactions to him: either he's the son of the usurper, and I'm going to burn him at the stake. We let's burn people. Um, or she basically uses, or she, or she sees Tyrion's because it would be Tyrion who would come up with this plan. Um, Tyrion is right. Yes, I need to have someone in the Stormlands. This is a Baratheon, and you know, I mean, seriously, we're going around making bastards king of the North. Why not make them king of the Stormlands too? I mean, let's let king kings Bastards everywhere, ruling things. Book, it's a thing. Well, book readers will know this: that before Aegon the Targ- Aegon Targaryen the Conqueror came to the Seven Kingdoms, these different parts of the Seven Kingdoms there were multiple kingdoms, and the Stormlands was an individual kingdom, just like the North, the Riverlands. Uh, they were everybody was, was their own king. Um, so you have to, and we ha- and and we should and point sto- out that she's she's already said to Ar- Yara that Yara can basically be queen of the Iron Islands. Right, right. So and- there could be a thing where we're going here, where we're making all seven kingdoms independent, but not. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I was I was going to say though that the Baratheons were actually installed by the Targaryens, right? Right, they, as they, lords of the Stormland mm-hmm. after they conquered. So, uh, but I definitely could see them going in this direction where everybody kind of has a little more independence, and therefore maybe the thought process is giving everybody a little more each of the kingdoms a little more independence will lead to a little more peace type thing. Because you kind of saw that with the Iron Islands, they you know when she said they're not demanding, they're they're asking, and I think Danny's kind of going the the route of let's make friends of people, let them do what they want, and then we don't have to fight everybody, you know. So she does have three dragons if they get out of control, I guess. 
Well, and, and I think also they're going to, you know, I, I don't see them coming into conflict in the north. So now you're talking if if they're not going to fight the north and they're not going to fight the Iron Islands, why wouldn't she start installing friendly people in other places so she doesn't have to fight them too? So Basically, she needs everybody behind her from from her back because if she's going to drag if she's landing at dragonstone uh we talked about this today at wick dragonstone is just a hop skip and a jump away to king's landing so she needs everybody behind her to support her but she she can't be worrying about armies from the north and from the riverlands and from the stormlands attacking her she's got to be able to solidify those kingdoms as supporters of hers um that's enough on this topic i want to ask you Corey smith you 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 wanted to talk about speculation about Davos and Brienne being in King's Landing and where we're going with that. So uh, now's your chance. Open up about that. Yeah, we kind of we had we got a report from LSR that you know about that that scene at the Dragon Pit that we seem to keep uh, going back to. And originally it was just Danny at the Dragon Pit. We didn't know who she was there with. We didn't know under what context she was there. Um, and now we're, we're seeming to get that she's there with Brienne and Davos. So that would kind of line up to what we've heard. If Davos meets with her earlier in the season at Dragonstone and then later in the, in the season after she's conquered King's Landing, uh, Davos and Brienne are there again to kind of maybe, you know, we assume rally support for the North in the battle with the White Walkers. Um, I don't know what else they would be doing there other than maybe just saying, hey, good job. Uh, you know, we don't want to fight you or whatever type I thing. I think she would so, have to have support from John. I think I think if she gets – if she takes King's Landing, there's going to be people coming to King's Landing to either swear fealty or right. to say, hey, look, I'm not a threat. Leave me alone. I'll stay in the North. You stay here, and we will never – never the twain shall meet. ISIS – let me ask you, if Brienne is actually going to King's Landing with Davos, god damn, how, how many times is Sansa going to send Brienne away? How come she can't stay in the north? I, I have no idea. That still boggles my mind. And, I, I mean, you have someone who is willing to kill for you, is willing to protect you at all costs, and you keep on sending her away. It <laughs> makes no fucking sense. At all. And it's it, – at all. And it's par for the course for freaking Sansa. I really just don't understand. I mean, it's like, Jesus. I, I, okay, I think she's going to no, handle, be, she, she plans to handle Littlefinger a little differently. Oh, really? What do you but think? That's, but, but that's the thing. Even if, if, if Sansa had told, you know, uh, Brienne, hey, back off. This is my plan. This is what I'm, I'm going to do. Brienne would be like, cool, I'm game. Let's do this. She would be totally like, you know, I'm your girl. I got your back, you know. And uh, she's ride or die. She's going. She's going to stay there, and you know, make sure that whatever plan she has, she'll go through it. But it, it seems like Sansa just sometimes she just feels like she has to go at it alone, you know. And then she doesn't trust the people she should trust, and then trust the people that she shouldn't. And so now she's to the point where I've been burned so many times that I just don't trust nobody. Well, here's and, here's, um, here's an idea. Here's an idea, and I'm sorry to cut you off. Here's an idea about Brienne and King's Landing. Uh, Annie has, has, has said that she has a feeling this, that season seven is going to be Sansa's swan song. You said that, right, Annie? This is basically Yes, I did. So the, the two who I do not expect to survive are Sansa and Cersei. There you go. So, um, watching our Wick Live on Facebook Live, um, Dan, our editor-in-chief, and his, and his, and his partner were talking about, his co-host, were talking about, um, Sophie Turner wearing her red-haired wig because Sophie Turner is actually blonde, and I didn't even know that until uh, a few months ago. But actually, she's blonde, but she's wearing her Sansa wig in a picture, in a photo. She's walking behind Kit Harrington, and he's in full makeup. He's got his scar over his eye. So obviously, they were coming from the makeup trailer. Um, and Dan's co-host said, well, what if she's keeping, instead of dyeing her hair red, She's just wearing the red-haired wig because she knows she's not going to be red-haired much longer because she's going to be killed off the show. Um, that would be a good reason why Brienne wouldn't be in the North anymore. If once Sansa dies, um, unless she decides to say that her oath of fealty is to House Stark and she stays with Jon, there's no real reason for Brienne to stay in the North. She could take off and go back to King's Landing. 
to try to hook it back up with Jamie and say, look, I did my I did my job. I took care of Sanja, Oathkeeper, and blah 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 blah. So, uh, but she did that last season, didn't she? She she did that at at the at the siege of River River Run. She told Jamie that, and he told her to keep the sword. So I really, I'm really not sure why why you keep sending away the one person who's the most badass female in all of Westeros. Why do you keep sending her away? And if she does that. It, I think the only reason she does that is possibly Sansa dies. Possibly she bites it. Uh, well, I I don't think I think Sansa will send Brienne away before she bites it. I honestly think that yeah, Sansa do a too. doesn't trust anyone, and b trusts in her sexuality to control Littlefinger, and in that Brienne can't help her. Let's be real. Okay. Um. So. That would mean that Brienne is then a pawn that she can play with, and so you know maybe she maybe she's given Brienne maybe she has Brienne trying to get down there to you know basically try and help John. Maybe she sends Brienne away because she doesn't. I, I mean, there's a hundred reasons we don't even know why. But I honestly think that part of the reason why she would send Brienne away is because she thinks that she she's not fighting. She doesn't need a sword. She's not fighting in that way. Right. She's fighting in a different way. And this sword isn't really working for her right now. It can go do other things for her house. Um, so that is one argument for why she's doing it. Um, the other argument is, yes, she bites it, and she bites it much faster than I think. I think Sansa will die at the end of the season. Um, but if she bites it faster than I think, then, yeah, I think Brienne's choice would be to go to House Stark and pledge to John, and John would then send her to wherever. Like, yeah, that that would that strikes me as the right thing that for Brienne. That would be Brienne's next move. Hanging out with Davos, the person who was the hand of the hand of the king to the man who murdered Renly. That's that's a picture. Well, I mean, yeah, well, I just know, in a way she's got I think she's gotten over the Renly thing in a way. Yeah, well she had her revenge. Of course she's over it. Yeah. What, what well, I just want to see I just want to see Brienne and Tormund together. That's all. That's Don't that, we all that to me Don't we all I mean, that's all I want to see. That's all I want to see. <laughs> I want to see them together. I mean, you know, I just want him to, to to have, like, you know, heart emojis on his face all the time when he's looking at her. And uh, and so I'm totally for it. So, you know, and, and again, I'm with Annie. You know, I think that Sansa is not going to make it out of the season. Um, and I, I mean, do I hate that? No, I'm actually okay with that. I mean, she's been she's been fine for, for what she's accomplished and everything. But I just don't think that she's going to make it to the end. So the sooner that we do it and we move that story along, um, and if she does it in purpose of her family, I think it's totally fine. Well, listen, guys, we've speculated enough on this episode. We've talked about all the Game of Thrones Season 7 spoilers that we have. We're up to date right now, so we're going to call it a good show. And we're at about 50 minutes, so hey, we didn't even make it to an hour, so you're welcome. So listen, tune in next week. Hopefully we'll have more spoilers for you to listen to. For Isis, Annie, Corey Smith, and Corey Sloan, I'm Razor. Thanks for listening to Take the Black, Blood Magulus.